You're listening to Gear Disrupted. What's up, you guys? Welcome to Drumroll Please, episode 10 woo, of the podcast Year Disrupted, where our mission is to encourage and inspire people to live and work abroad through practical tips, actionable insights, and of course, real life stories. Emphasis on the stories today, big time. I just have to say, I'm so psyched that we made it to episode 10. I hope you're psyched as well. I hope you celebrate with us. So pour yourself a shot and get ready for this amazing episode, okay? We have had a guest on the show before, but one of the core components of Year Disrupted is to share stories from other people who have been doing this either longer or better or just in a different way than Abby and I. So today we have some amazing, amazing, amazing guests. They're another couple and they have been traveling the world for quite some time now. Today, we'll be interviewing our guests, Annette and Daniel Fortner. They come from Chase for Adventure. That is their website. That is their YouTube channel. That is just their vibe. And you'll soon see why. These two inspiring people have an amazing story that I can't wait to dive into. Shortly after their wedding, Annette and Daniel realized how miserable they were at their nine to five jobs. You'll soon understand how these jobs were literally sucking the soul right on out of them. So what did they do? They sold literally everything they owned in exchange for some camera equipment and departed on a one-way ticket to Bangkok in June of 2018. Now, a year and a half later, Annette and Daniel run a YouTube channel with millions of views and thousands of subscribers. They also provide resources and tours for other world travelers or people who are interested in world travel. I came across Annette's story on a women's entrepreneurship group on Facebook and instantly fell in love with their content. They're so genuine, so real, and so funny. Annette and Daniel are awesome examples of two people who were determined to do anything that they needed to do to make their dreams come true. They had no huge bank accounts. They did not have any crazy aficionado video editing skills. They did it all themselves, and I am so psyched for where they are today. So it is our absolute pleasure to welcome them to the show. Welcome to the show. Annette and Danielle, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to speak with us. So we'll just dive right into it. If you just want to tell us about what you were doing back home before you started your journey as a digital nomads. Um, so we both did a couple different things. Uh, so when we were getting ready to go, I was actually a practice administrator for a couple emergency rooms. And so I did that until I ended that job just a, maybe a few months before we left. And then I kind of did everything. I did everything from babysitting to working 4 a.m. stalking clerk at Publix and to driving bike squad. squad. Yeah. Uh, did a mix of the gamut until we left. And then I was a preschool teacher. So I had worked in management for a while and then I really love kids. So I tried preschool teaching and then that's what I did. But right before we left, I mean, like Daniel said, we kind of did it all. We did housekeeping for a house at one point when the people that we used to babysit for were moving out. We babysat a lot. Um, so we did a number of things for me, primarily in childcare. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you guys have really worked the whole gamut of, of different jobs. That's awesome. So you know, obviously you are not doing that anymore. You're not back in the U.S. You're not uh, stocking grocery stores at four o'clock in the morning. But can you walk us through what started to make you question what you were doing? I know in, in first talking to you, you guys have really had some a few final straws for both of you. So I would love it if you could walk us through, you know, what started to change? What made you really want to turn your back on on that life that you had before in exchange for something different. Right. Well, I think it's funny because a lot of people mention that, oh my gosh, you must have been so courageous to do this. And I always tell people that it was desperation uh, because we were working nine to fives that were working us to the bone and we were tired of really working for, you know, other people's dreams and just not being appreciated. And, you know, I had some life circumstances that I went through that made me depressed and it got to the point where I called the suicide hotline. And then after telling my boss I was fired. So, 
you know, after that, I realized that the safe option wasn't safe anymore. I realized that if I wanted to, you know, create a better life for myself, I had to do it, that nobody else was going to do it for me. And I wasn't going to get that life by sitting on the couch, you know, that was making me depressed and making me suicidal. And so I realized that something had to change. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I just, I think, you know, when hearing you say that, I mean, it totally gives me goosebumps just knowing that, you know, not only was the, the corporate world not working for you, but even when you had a mental health issue, it still would not work for you. So when you were in that dark place, was the thought of, you know, I think it's really powerful what you said that if you wanted a better life, you had to create it for yourself. Do you feel like that thought was able to to help you pull you out of that dark spot that like that kind of switched gears for you a little bit? Absolutely. Well, you know, after you get fired for something like that, you really have to kind of wake up a little bit. And what was a really dark place, and it was a dark place for a while after that happened, really turned into anger. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I was just really angry that I had allowed myself to give so much of me mentally and physically to something that, you know, was going to let me down in the end. And then after that, you know, it really... I was able to just put my focus goggles on. I was able to see this is what I want out of life and that's it. I'm not going to let anybody else get in my way anymore. I was willing to do the most amount of damage to myself than anybody else is willing to do. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, I'm going to grab life by the metaphorical balls and go for it. <laughs> that's and awesome. How did travel, where did travel come into that? Ooh, okay. So it actually started in 2015 when I went and studied abroad in Florence, Italy. So Daniel, actually, I'm gonna let Daniel take the hat on this one. <laughs> so we, so we have been talking about just like life together, where we saw our futures, and we were like, okay, we're serious about each other. This is and like six months in, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we were like, we could see this go in the distance, and so we were big proponents of never keep anything a secret and I really didn't want to travel and I knew that she wanted to. And so I was like, Hey, pretty much I see this going the distance, but if we get married, I'm not going to want to travel and I'm not going to want you to travel without me. So she was Where like, all right, again? go. Plot <laughs> twist. Literally within a week of that conversation, I was at the study abroad office at the university of Florida with a $300 check, which was all I had to my name at the time, mm -hmm. but I was determined to make it work. So anyway, we went traveling and then Daniel realized, Oh crap, you know, she's actually going to leave without me. And mm -hmm. so he ended up joining. And so for the next eight weeks, we traveled together all throughout Europe. I was 19 and he was 20 sleeping in hostels, missing flights, missing booking trains, like all sorts of shenanigans. And that's where the passion for travel really started. And it's funny because we were sitting in Florence on the Ponte Vecchio and we actually still have this list today, but we were sitting down with pizza, drinking wine, and just writing down the dreams that we had for our lives. And we called it the Nets dream page. And it was really cheesy because we were writing things like, oh, you know, we would love to travel the world for a year, like live in a different country, learn a new language, do tours around the world. Daniel wanted to get into motorbikes. We wanted to nice. be, you know, dinks or, you know, double income, no kids. And we tucked that list away. And then it sat, you know, in a box somewhere until we started selling all of our stuff and we were going through the things that we needed to sell. And we found this list again, four years later. That's and crazy. And us living out the dreams that were yeah. listed on the dream page. And the craziest yeah. part was like, we had never seen it again. It just sat there collecting dust. Mm -hmm. and yet everything that was written down on that list has actually come true. Yeah, so now we write everything down. Yeah. Curious. <laughs> I love that. And just, you know, Italy was my first trip abroad and there's something about Florence, I think, <laughs> that just makes you fall in love with not only the country, but the whole continent of Europe that I went when I was 12 and that just, I'm like, mm, yep, uh, I'm going to travel someday. <laughs> so I totally understand the magic of Italy. <laughs> It's just beautiful and so full of history. And anyway, it inspired a lot. You know, we had, were bitten with the travel bug ever since. Mm -hmm. And I love that you were so young at the time, too, to think that, you know, even when normally what we're taught at that age is to start focusing on internships and your finding career, a job, finding yeah. a job, settling down. But those are the exact years you, you don't want to settle down. You want to explore. 
So that's amazing. I love that story. It's very cute and romantic. And I love how everything that you wrote down was manifested later. We have a story kind of like that. But so now fast forward four years. Daniel, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, you were working several jobs, but were there some final straws for you at a similar time that made you want to also totally leave that life behind and swap it for one of travel? Uh, so my my beginning part came a little bit after hers. She had definitely come to me with the idea of traveling full time. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and and so with that, it took, uh, what, two, three months of convincing? I want to say it took much longer. Really? Much longer? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it was in October and the whole depression fiasco happened earlier. Oh, wow. Okay. So quite a bit after. It took her a while to convince me. Uh, but soon after that, I had actually just gotten a job in my potential career field. And so I was starting to run two private emergency rooms. And with that, I was working crazy hours. I don't even think I ever really saw Annette during the week outside of a, a good morning kiss. And then, a, hey, I'm here after dinner. You want to hang out for an hour and then go to sleep? <laughs> and so we just did that for so long. And it was really taxing and tiresome. And then I ended up having to fight my boss to get the day before my wedding off because he didn't want to give me the Friday off. And and he pretty much tried making me on call for my actual wedding day. And I was like, I will not have my phone on my wedding day. And he was like, well, you should. And I was like, that's not happening. (laughs) Wow. That is ridiculous. Yeah, it was crazy. And just after experiencing what it was like to be settled down in the career that I was essentially aiming for with my studies, I was just like, I can't. I can't do this. And then we actually made the decision to sell all of our stuff and bought one-way tickets. But I think I may be jumping the gun on that story. No, I think that that's a perfect segue. <laughs> no, no problem. I Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. So it seemed like it took a little bit of time for Annette to convince you. I'm really curious, just coming from two travel lovers over here, maybe what were you against at first? And maybe how did Annette paint the picture of a life of travel that ultimately made you be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm, I'm down. Wow, asking some good questions. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you ask that one more time? I want to make sure I yeah. actually get to the point. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I, I wasn't sure if it was just her persistence <laughs> um, or if you know there was a certain part of that travel life that maybe turned you off at first. And then maybe Annette was able to paint a picture or offer certain aspects or qualities that ended up convincing you. Okay, fair. So at first, it really turned me off that we were just going to have no stability and no income. Mm -hmm. Already, I was a big creature of comfort and I enjoyed having my modern amenities and I really enjoyed having a routine where I woke up, I went to the gym a specific time, I ate at a specific time. Everything was pretty much calculated down. And then I was just terrified of leaving. So when you mix all of those different aspects of being uncomfortable and then being just simply afraid to leave your home, I was not about it. And so I think over the next few months, we kept watching like the typical travel vloggers that we would watch online. And it got to a point where it was just, I was just thinking to myself, I have to do something more with my life. I can't just wake up mindlessly and go day in, day out, doing the same thing every single day, never feeling excited or happy to go to work, just kind of dreading it. And well, well, it's how I make money and it's how I can live for the two days on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I don't really remember the specific point that I hit. I just remember coming to that conclusion towards the beginning of us being like, all right, let's actually do this. I think that for when you had at least in my memory, Uh when you had officially been like, that's it, we're going to do this, was the day after our wedding when you realized that we had to go to work the next day, Uh (laughs) that you had a full-on meltdown because, you know, we were working jobs that weren't making a whole lot of money. And so we weren't able to take any days off before or after a wedding. So after, you know, having the happiest day of our lives to then Mm -hmm. show up on Monday to work, it was just, you were having a meltdown. Yeah, that's exactly it. We were yeah, we were both pretty meltdowny, and I think <laughs> more so than not. <laughs> and that's when Annette took her opportunity and goes like, "Well, if this guy on the internet is saying that he made it with five thousand dollars, we can do it too." And so 
the rest was history. Chase for Adventure was born. <laughs> Amazing. So can you give us just a little bit of a timeline from when you decided and maybe bought your ticket or when you left? Like kind of like walk us through chronologically when you fully decided we're in this, how much time passed until you left and what did you do during that time? To prepare for your trip. So the big decision happened October. So our wedding was October 7th. October 8th, we had a meltdown. By that same day, we started selling all of our stuff. By the next day, we had already told Daniel's parents that we were selling all of our stuff to travel the world. And they offered us a place to stay with them. And it just so happened that then Daniel lost his job shortly after. And we had to move into his family's house anyway. But thankfully, we had already started the process because we were traveling to Bangkok. Mm -hmm. And so at the time when we moved into his parents and started selling all of our stuff, we still didn't have one-way tickets because we still had almost $20,000 of debt that we had to pay off that we didn't know how we were going to. Wow. And so... We just started putting all of our money toward our credit cards, sold our cars. We were sharing a car for a while. And so then moved into his parents' house by November 9th, which is my birthday. That was my birthday present was to buy the one-way tickets to Thailand. And we left officially in June. So in that time that transpired, we were just hustling. From the morning we would wake up, we would be at work. Daniel would work up at 4 a.m. And then he babysat from noon until the evening time because he was babysitting twins for two EMTs. And these babies were six months and so cute. They were little bowling balls. I loved it. (laughs) And then I would babysit on the side too. So beyond, you know, trying to take Daniel to work, picking him up for his lunch break, him picking me up for after I got off of work because we were carrying a car at the time to then me taking the car to go to a babysitting gig, you know, an hour and a half away to come back by midnight when Daniel's already in bed. So that is what our life looked like. And during that time, we also started Chase for Adventure. So we started learning, you know, how to use our cameras, how to do website development, how to do graphic design, how to grow an audience on social media, how to make money while traveling. So there was a lot that transpired in those eight months. Yeah, it sounds like some busy eight months. (laughs) I bet that tested your new marriage a bit. But that's, I mean, that's amazing. You know, that just goes to show that when you really want something, you'll make it happen no matter what. That's actually something that when I first made the Chase for Adventure website, that's something that I really wanted to convey. I wanted Chase for Adventure to be more than just a travel vlog. I wanted to be the chronicles of what it was like to have a dream and to do whatever it takes to attain it, Mm -hmm. that you can create the light at the end of your own tunnel. Yeah. And that's amazing. And I've actually heard, you know, I think a lot of young people our age can relate to having massive amounts of debt, whether it's student debt or credit card debt or what have you. I've heard from a friend before, I would love to travel, but I have too much debt. Can you maybe top line us on how you guys were able to transform that debt into actually, you know, being either neutral or in the in the green by the time you left? So we had done the math to find out how much money we actually needed to leave with. And we had done rough estimates of how much money we would get if we sold all of our stuff. So including our cars, all of our furniture, our bedroom furniture, living room, all of that, the TV. And we were like, okay, this leaves us with a a nice lump sum to put a dent in it, but it doesn't get us where we need to go. And when we had started making the decision, I had just gotten my new job running the emergency room. So I had a nice little pay bump. And then we just babysat. Like there was no, no tomorrow. We didn't eat out. We only did essentials. We, I'm pretty sure our life consisted of going from work to home and then to the grocery store once a week. And even then we cut down and really micromanaged what we ate and everything. Seriously, guys, we canceled our Netflix. We were playing nothing but Monopoly Deal, which is this little <laughs> card game that we still have to this day. And we also used, as far as actual debt uh, payback tactics, we used something called, I don't remember if it's like the snowflake method or whatever. Basically, we took all of our credit cards and consolidated all of that debt on a zero interest credit card. And we would divide that almost like if it was financed by a bank. So let's say that, you know, I had a $1,000 debt on this credit card and I had zero interest for 10 months. I would pay $100 every single month until that debt was paid off. So I never had to pay interest. Once I knocked out the biggest credit card, which is the one that was costing me the most money, 
I would go to the card that had the next low, uh, next highest interest rate. So that way I was knocking out, out all of the expensive cards that were costing me the most money while paying off the debt and also an extremely aggressive debt strategy. As a matter of fact, we had it down to the nickel, how much money came out every single month for groceries. Cause we got the same exact groceries every week. Um, and made it auto pay to our bank. So we were paying almost $2,000 a month to our credit cards every single month. No fail. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, that's so, that's so inspiring. Yeah, I love that's that. amazing. So before you left, did you also kind of create a budget or estimate how much it would cost you per month to live in Thailand? Uh, we didn't know specifically how much it was going to be. We had the rough estimates of people who had made videos like digital nomads in Chiang Mai or digital nomads in Bangkok. And we had done our math based on the information people had said. So we had an idea, but nothing exact. We just knew that we were already good at living on a budget. And from the math that we had done, we were going to need, what, $1,500 a month to live off of. And that was including doing like boat excursions, doing a night out with friends, whatever it may be. It wasn't really holding back. But since your money goes so far in Southeast Asia, you can really account for having fun while over here. And that's why we chose Southeast Asia in the first place. We knew that it was going to be the cheapest place in the world to travel. And we figured if there was going to be any place to get our bearings, A, in travel, but B, in being able to monetize a travel lifestyle, we would be able to make this lifestyle go further here. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. it served exactly its purpose. Yeah. Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about in this time as you're hustling so hard? I mean, that's unbelievable. You guys are amazing. You started Chase for Adventure. Can you tell me a little bit about, I want to hear about two things. One is how did you plan to sustain your income while you were overseas? Did you have a plan in place? And what was your vision for Chase for Adventure? Oh, so when we started, I don't quite think we really had a plan. We just knew that other people had created content and posted online and done the different social media platforms. And we were kind of under the impression, under the impression that if they could do it, so could I. Great. So we really just dedicated a lot of time to learning. And that was more of the plan before we left. And I would say that what Chase for Adventure is and where it started are two very different different things. They're similar interests, but very different. Right. And I think a lot of people before they start a lifestyle like this, they think that they have to have it all figured out. And we are living, breathing proof that you do not have to have all the answers before you start this lifestyle, especially if you're going to come and, you know, save some money beforehand, mm -hmm. you have time to figure it out. And that's what we did. And honestly, we've tried a number of things to make this sustainable. Uh, you know, we did freelancing for a while. We saved up the money when we ran out. Daniel did a working holiday visa. While Daniel is doing a working holiday visa, I started Chase Your Adventure Tours, which is our tour company now. And, you know, since then we've created courses and digital products. And so the monetizing grows and changes and evolves as the business grows and evolves as well. Also, the bigger that we've gotten, the more sponsorship opportunities that we've gotten as well. And yeah. so those are all ways that we make it happen now, but we didn't have all the answers back then. Right. And now as far as the vision for Chaser Adventure man, I want it to be so big. I want to have an office. I want it to be the Google of travel. travel. Oh, mm -hmm. I want to be the trip advisor for digital nomads. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's an amazing vision. And I feel like you guys are, are well on your way to getting there. I love your website. Um, so just because a lot of our friends back home, a lot of our listeners, you know, they, they don't know what some of these terms are. It's like freelance is kind of a convoluted term. Nobody understands. Um, same with maybe your tour company and working holiday visa. It's amazing that you had some money saved up by the time you left. And I think, you know, if the last eight months of your hustling was any proof, you guys would make it work no matter what. But can you dive a little bit into what each of you did for freelancing um, and where you found your work? Absolutely. So I have been able to find it through Upwork. And the other one as well is we work with companies on an exchange level. So for example, one time we did a video for Gilead Traumangan 
or this dive central company and they were able to give us a totally free tour in exchange for the content. So we're able to create a commercial and people also purchase those commercials now. Oh, great. Wow. So the freelancing, freelancing as a definition means, you know, you find work based on whatever skill or talent that you have and you don't get paid on a salaried basis. You get paid on a, on a job basis. So people will pay you a la carte or via package, like you grouping all of your services and you offer them a service or a product. And so that's what we did. And then as far as the tour company, it's exactly what it sounds like. So we had been now traveling for a year and some, we had been to Thailand three times, fell in love with the country um, and ran tours there because so much of our audience was already so interested in Thailand. People constantly came to us with questions because we really did not even intentionally become experts on the country as foreigners. You know, this is the seventh time we've been here and we're here now. And so that made it really easy and an organic next step to be like, Hey guys, well, you guys have so many questions about Thailand. I'm just going to create an itinerary based off, you know, my favorite places in this country. And if you want, you can come along. We also did that in Australia because we did the working holiday visa, which I'll explain in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, we obviously lived there for three months in Melbourne, loved it, made a tour through Melbourne because it was a city that we loved and knew well. And, you know, people back home have a lot of anxiety about travel, especially traveling to the opposite side of the world, like Australia yeah. and Thailand is from America. And so sometimes it's just helpful to have a friendly face that's going to figure it all out for you. So that's the tour company. And for the working holiday visas, I will pass it off to Dan. <laughs> so the working holiday visa is where countries offer working visas that last anywhere from six months to one year. And it allows you to legally work in the country to where you have a tax ID number, you pay local taxes, and you're able to make more than average uh, income. So for instance, Back in Florida, the minimum wage, I think when we left was $8.10. Whereas when I went to Australia to work, the minimum wage was $22 and something, which it was Aussie dollars. So it translated to, I think about 18, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, But still that was a big difference on the minimum wage. And then on my job, I ended up making about 21, 22 US dollars on average for bartending. And so- I was able to go and live in Australia and just work as a bartender. And so you can do that with farm work. You can get extensions on the visa based off the different type of work you do within Mm -hmm. the country, whether it's agriculture or uh, hospitality related in certain areas. You can do that for quite a few places. You just have to check to see which country accepts you. But that was just a different way that we had monetized it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Was the the application process and all of that, was it – easy to get in or are these working holiday visas pretty competitive? So I really do think it varies for each person. For us, completing the visa application process was pretty easy. We did a good job of having electronic copies of all of our important documents before we left, like degrees and certifications and things like that. Um, We also don't have a criminal background, which does make a difference (laughs) on these visas. (laughs) Um, So... The Australia's working holiday visa says it takes like four days to approve you or something. And it took us maybe 24 hours max. Okay. Whereas we had met another guy in country who had just gotten in a bar fight when he was in university. Like it wasn't anything serious. And it had taken him five months for him to get his uh, visa application approved. But they ended up approving him. So. Okay. Just takes time. And then as far as finding a job there, Daniel was lucky in the sense that, you know, in the house that we got into where we were renting, one of the roommates was able to help him get a job. There's plenty of farm work opportunities. Like Daniel was mentioning, hostels have opening boards. When you go and stay in Melbourne, it's so common to go there for their working holiday visas. They have literal job boards posted all around the hostel so that you can look for these jobs opportunities. So if you're not picky, you'll find it. If you're picky, you might struggle a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So one thing I want to ask, you know, I know we're kind of getting into your trip a little bit more, but so you saved up for like eight, nine months, um, hustled hard. You left in June of 2018, correct? Um, And you went straight to Thailand. What was the change like? Um, Was it just everything you wanted? Was there an adjustment period, especially when you were drawing in from different sources of income? What was that like? So there was 
definitely adjustment period from the second we touched down. It was really exciting and exhilarating, but there was also this nagging feeling like I should be at work or I should be <laughs> doing something other than exploring and enjoying my time. And then I'd have to keep reminding myself like, no, this is what you saved up for. This is why you're here. You're here to create content. You're here to explore, have fun and just capture it on camera. Live yeah. Live life. Exactly. <laughs> and so I really think that that was the first shift. And then as you go through this, I don't know if there's stages of full-time travel, but just living it out, you'll hit different benchmarks all of the time. And it, it really, it's crazy how much more rounded you come out of it. Mm-hmm. And right. when he means by benchmarks, he means horrific difficulties like anxiety <laughs> and depression and, yeah. oh my God, I'm a failure. What if I have to go home and I end up broken homeless? That's what he means by benchmarks. And I think that that's just the nature cycle of a digital nomad because this lifestyle, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but something that we really focus on on our website and our YouTube channel is authenticity and being candid. I think that there's plenty of people on Instagram telling you, oh my God, the digital nomad life is perfect. You know, you get to go to these beautiful beaches and drink up cocktails and right. have water out of coconuts. When in reality, you know, yeah, you get to do that. Like, you know, we, able to, we were able to have an amazing weekend this last weekend in a remote island in Thailand. But, you know, you also spend hours upon hours behind a computer trying to make money or, you know, you're packing up all of your life every single week going to a different country, which in the beginning sounds cool, but you think like, okay, now I have to learn a whole new set of vocabulary. I have to learn a whole new set of cultural norms and customs. I have to figure out how to grab a taxi because not everybody has Uber. Sometimes it's Grab or Gojek or, you know, a number of different applications. <laughs> right. We went to South Korea and they didn't use Google Maps. <laughs> what? Wow. Those are just the things about this lifestyle that I think definitely take an adjustment. And I don't think that you ever fully get used to those things either. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, just, yeah. I definitely just think you get, you learn what you can stand and you realize that the benefits of the lifestyle you live greatly outweigh the small sacrifices you yeah. make, like packing your bag. Absolutely. Up yeah. And I think it's, it's important to, I love that you guys are so honest and candid and, and that's really what we're after as well. I think it's so important to say that, you know, the, the depression, the fear, the anxieties, they're real, they're still there. But when you can overcome them and when you can conquer them or find ways to create that balance in your life, that's something you did for yourself. Um, it wasn't like, oh, I just have to get through this day at this job I hate. It's you're teaching, you're, you're, you're taking an active role in your life. To, and, yeah, create your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. and it, <clears throat> it definitely takes maintenance. But I think the, the end satisfaction is so much more worth it because you're, you're creating all of that for yourself. And, and that's what we love about yeah. this lifestyle too. So speaking of fear, you know, a lot of our listeners have the same fear when they're starting this journey is like, what if I fail? What if I am not able to make any money and I have to come back home? So did you guys have like a a backup plan of what if things don't work out? What's like the worst case scenario? I don't think there ever really was a go back home scenario, but there definitely was a, a worst case scenario. And for us, worst case scenario was if we start running out of money and we're not making enough on the side, then we go to Australia and do working holiday visa. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, I live in a different country and I have a really enjoyable time. And yeah, then, I love that. and when we came back out on the road, same thing applies. Worst case scenario, we do one of the many methods we teach about because they're so applicable to making money on the road. And I think that people think that, you know, you have to have some sort of magical power or like this top secret formula to making money on the road. It's like, guys, China, I mean, maybe not right now is a good time to go to China, (laughs) but before this Wuhan coronavirus, China was an incredibly viable option. Anybody, whether you had a bachelor's degree or not, can go online, find a recruiter, and become a teacher in China. They pay for your accommodations, your electricity, your flights there, your visa, get you a job, find you a place to live, find your roommates, teach you Mandarin. So if people really wanted to get out and travel more, the options to make money aren't the difficult part. Now the difficult part is making money and something that you're passionate about, right? Because you didn't just leave everything back home to enslave yourself back into something that you're not passionate about. 
Right. But exactly. the opportunities for money are out there. You just need to apply for them. Yeah. That's really what we want to show people too, is there is a way to do both. There is a way to finance your lifestyle and work on your passions. So can you tell us a little bit about your specific passions that you guys are working on? And also, I just want to clarify and and ask you if you had any formal background or training in YouTube editing and guiding tours and videos in production and things like that. So to answer that one real quick, we have actually no background in it whatsoever. Yeah, in any regard. I am just about to finish my degree in business administration focusing on marketing. And Annette got a degree in psychology. Focused on child development. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I, I love that. I love that because this was, you know, your passion. You wanted to create this channel, this resource for people. And here you guys are now um, a year and a half later with millions of views, not having gone to a fancy film school or, you know, doing an internship or anything like that. Like you really can teach yourself everything you want if it's in line with with your passions and what you're trying to manifest on your journey yeah go youtube university <laughs> youtube university yes yeah. and honestly that's what we also hope that you know people out there back home use our youtube channel youtube gave us so much and i think it's only fair for us to give just as much i know that we're talking about a lot of things in this episode regarding the digital nomad lifestyle and how to make it happen we have full-on tutorials on our channel every single monday we publish a nomadic monday where we teach people all of the ways that they can transition into the digital nomad life and not all of them are become a youtuber here start an instagram account or become would, a blogger i would argue none of them will be actually yeah <laughs> as a matter of fact when people tell us oh my gosh i want to be a youtube too it's like well i really hope that you're passionate and that you have a lot of money saved up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um as so, far as like the passions that you yeah. asked us about uh, for me, a huge passion of mine is helping kids. Obviously, that's what I went to school for. And I grew up in a not so great side of town in Miami, Florida, and in a Hispanic neighborhood. My family is from Cuba. And so actually, I'm also a motivational speaker. Whenever I go back home, I go and speak at my old high school, <clears throat> trying to inspire them to chase their dreams. And something that really adds fuel to my fire whenever I'm working on anything for Chase or Adventure is knowing that a percentage of our profits every single year um, goes to a scholarship program for these kids to go and study abroad. Because I know that a lot of people, especially in the Hispanic community, when they're first generation, their parents don't speak English, they're not even thinking college, much less thinking, I'm going to get to go to college and leave Miami and see the world. And I, that's what I'm passionate about. I want to change that perspective. I want to show every single person, no matter what walk they are in life, that they can chase their dreams. And that's so that's amazing. what keeps me alive. Yeah. So when, when people purchase maybe some of the, the courses or, or your resources, then they are also helping another child be able to experience a life of travel. That's so amazing. I love that. Thanks. It's something that is really, you know, close to home. Right. So now that you're in Thailand and you mentioned this a, a little bit earlier is, you know, people just think that, oh, digital nomad life is sitting by the beach and working one hour a day <laughs> and then sipping on margaritas for the rest of the day. <laughs> so can you tell us what your schedules look like? So <laughs> the schedule comes in different seasons, for sure. <laughs> this season has been a all work, no play. So we were actually in the island, one of the islands, Ko Chang, the last two nights. But the whole reason that trip came about was because we spent, what, 10 days looking at a computer and maybe 10 hours of working behind it every single day. And all of a sudden we were just like, I can't do this. And so that afternoon we were like, okay, maybe we worked ourselves a little too hard. Let's look and see where we could go. And we booked everything the night before and just left at like 5 a.m. Yeah. the next morning. Uh, so, so what that looks like is, you know, yeah. the exact backwards of what you had mentioned. What people think, it's the exact opposite. If you're spending, you know, one hour on a beach sipping on cocktails, you're spending, especially for us on social media, there's no off switch to that. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly answering emails, responding to comments, responding to messages. Daniel's responding to YouTube comments. 
And so, I mean, we are on all of the time. We, as a matter of fact, our exact day-to-day schedule starts at six o'clock in the morning and now it's almost 9 p.m. And, you know, we're still at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two hour break. Yeah. That was about it. But I love that, you know, if you just rewind a bit to before you guys left on your trip, you went from not being able to take a day off after your wedding to enjoy or even being able to take the time off of work for your own mental health. And now how amazing you guys are working hard, you're grinding. And when you realize, hey, I need a mental break here, you can hop over to an island for a weekend. I love that so much. You can check in with yourself and you have the flexibility and the freedom to be able to to give your heart, mind, and body what it needs when it needs it. Exactly. And you know, it takes courage. I mean, it takes action. I don't want to say courage because a lot of people think that they don't have it, but it takes action for people to create this kind of flexibility in their lives. Something that I hear so much from people is, oh my gosh, you know, I wish I could do that, but I don't have the money. And it's like, okay, well, I can teach you how to make the money. It's like, oh, but I wish I could do that, but I don't have the time. It's like, you'd be surprised what you, how much time you'd have if you quit your job. And so if people, if they wanted to find a thousand excuses to not chase their dreams, they can find them. But if you just took three action steps in the right direction, you start amazing momentum toward, toward what you want out of life. Absolutely. So one thing Abby and I like to talk about is I'm sure because of your travels, some of the tours you've led, and even now that you guys have a substantial audience who are all here for your adventures, what would you say like maybe the top three qualities are that you would need to really make this lifestyle work for you? Like what kind of the ideal digital nomad, what what like adjectives would describe them? Baha, adaptable, <laughs> uh, flexible, and hardworking. Um, absolutely. If you are not adaptable or flexible, I mean, you just can't travel because things happen. For example, you had plans to do Chinese New Year in China and now there's a coronavirus. Or you had plans to have a layover through Hong Kong and now your flight suddenly got canceled. And those things happen, you know, because it's this lifestyle a lot and it can disrupt a thousand and a half plans. So you need to be able to just, you know, take a deep breath, take it that this is a stroll part of the lifestyle and move forward. And then the other part is you have to be self-disciplined and hardworking because one thing as a digital nomad is you do not have a supervisor that's breathing down your neck, forcing you to work. And especially when you're utilizing the lifestyle to its fullest, you're traveling to these amazing countries you're going to want to be exploring temples and doing hikes and seeing waterfalls, not working behind a computer for 12 hours a day. But unfortunately, that's the sacrifices that you have to make so that you can live that lifestyle and use those two days off to go see the waterfall. That's so true. So where is next for you guys in your travel? Do you think you'll stay in in uh, Thailand for a while or where where's your next stop? So we are actually going to the Philippines next. We had had the chance to go a couple months back and we had only been able to explore one of the islands. And we figured since we're trying to wrap up Asia in 2020, we Mm want to start getting out of this side of the world. And so we're going to finish seeing the, some islands in the Philippines and then Annette's going to come back and run some of the Thailand tours and, and after that is one big question yeah. mark. <laughs> <laughs> we don't plan very far in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to tap into a whole other continent, say South America or Europe? Oh, girl, don't even get me started. I want to <laughs> go everywhere. I mean, our goal is literally to see every single country in the world. So mm-hmm. honestly, I want to do South America when my sister is pregnant or close to having a baby, because obviously, since I'm from Miami, it's such an easy flight. Like I'm dying to go to Medellin and use that as a digital nomad hub for a little while. Daniel wants to go there too to brush up on his Spanish. And so absolutely would love to do South America. So if my sister could just get pregnant sort of soon, <laughs> South America. Awesome. Okay. And and just a couple more questions as we wrap up. You know, I'm sure listeners right now are like, hell yeah, sign me up. I love how honest you guys are and, you know, how this lifestyle isn't all roses and, and coconuts. But it is so amazing. It's so empowering. 
How do you guys keep yourselves sane and balanced? What are some uh, tricks and tips that you've learned to breathing through it, to remaining adaptable and, and being excited every day? For me, it was finding a different passion. So creating videos and showing everyone that we're just all human and a lot more similar than we are different through like our YouTube channel has become a very big passion of mine. And I kind of let it swallow me. And then I found motorcycles. And so (laughs) ever since then, any chance I have to get on two wheels, I'm taking it. And that's really kind of been a nice refresher restart whenever it's needed yeah. Especially during the times that we are working so intensely. Yeah. yeah. And then for me, it was really learning that I can't travel full time, full, full, full time, if that makes sense. <laughs> we spent the first eight months of traveling, not being in a, in a bed for more than four straight days. And that was really hard on me. I really dislike, it, it got to a point where I wasn't excited to go see other countries. And so learning the balance of when I can go, 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 you know, travel really fast paced, spend three solid weeks, you know, backpacking and then spend a month where I have a routine. I have a place where I make my coffee every morning. I have a gym that I can go to. Um, that has really my biggest piece of advice is choose your travel pace and don't let anybody shame you into anything you're not comfortable with. Yeah, that's so important. I love that. If you need to post up, post up. I can't imagine getting substantial work done traveling every week. If we were backpacking, yeah. So uh, I think our lifestyle is (laughs) uh, staying put for a couple of months at each place. And then finally, you know, tell us a little bit about the the course you're developing and what people can get out of it. You know, you have this amazing YouTube channel, this awesome Instagram that's so full of energy and happiness. And and one thing I love about your website, Chase for Adventure, is there are so many resources. So as I understand, you're kind of consolidating a lot of your knowledge into one course where people can actually learn the tactical steps. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. You're talking about my other passion. Worker to Wander is the name of the course. And in this course, I take people step by step through everything we went through to make this lifestyle happen for us. So the first module starts with what is a digital nomad? Because there's 70,000 definitions online and it's very hard to get a clear picture of what this lifestyle is actually like. How long are these people traveling for? How do these people make money? What are the pros and cons in the lifestyle? So we really break down what is a digital nomad? and what are the ways that how are digital nomads all different and how are they all the same and we also take people through the steps of everything that happens before you become a digital nomad so selling all of your stuff you have to basically move out of the country i mean you're not moving technically because you're not moving to a different location for a long period of time but you have to do the same exact process you know you have to cancel your health insurance and contact your bank and get a different credit card company and make sure that your cards work in these different countries and so there are a lot of steps that i didn't even think about when i first made the decision to travel i thought that a lot of my life would stay the same and and turns out I had to get a specific type of insurance and I had to cancel mine back home. So anyway, we take them through the nitty gritty of that. The following module is taking them through the mindset that they have to change to make this lifestyle sustainable for them. Because, you know, it's okay. I know a lot of people have the fear of what if I fail? We have a whole module called what if I fail? Because I know it's such a big concern for people. And so, and showing them that when you do go back home, even because we did have friends that did go back home after trying out this lifestyle, they ended up way ahead from when they were, when they left because they left that job that they weren't happy. They realized that they had choice in their life. So anyway, we take people through the mindset and then we take people through the practicality of it. We teach them three easy methods to make money online. And by easy, we don't mean that it doesn't take work, but things that don't take a heck of a lot of experience or effort up front, you know, like we teach them about working holiday visas or teach them about teaching, whether it's English abroad or teaching a course online. Um, and we teach them about freelancing, how to set up a profile. Um, we actually even interviewed a Fiverr representative to teach us how people optimize their freelancing profiles. So we really take them from conception to completion, the digital nomad lifestyle. And that's where I got to wonder. Where can people either sign up or contact you for more information about that course? 
So they can go on to chaseheradventure.com in the top menu. We have courses and they can sign up right through there. We also have a shop area on our website because we know that a lot of people maybe aren't willing to commit to a full system, right? Like maybe they're just curious about digital nomad life. We have now broken down the modules of worker to wander into smaller bite-sized pieces based on what people are curious about. So on the shop page, they can find the a la carte version of worker to wander or on our courses page, they could get the whole Shabam course where they also get access to coaching calls with us. So if they ever had any questions or got stuck, they get to speak to us face to face. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, we have two questions for the lightning round that we like to ask all our guests. Um, so I want to hear from both of you. First question, just top line us, what is the single best part of being a digital nomad? The freedom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I say. I think just the freedom to choose, make your own schedule. That part is just amazing. Daniel, what about you? Having the realization that what I want to do, I can with my own two hands. That was big mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, I love that. All right. Final question is, in, in all the countries you've traveled to, what would you say is the most underrated place? Wow. Um, <clears throat> hmm, underrated. Yeah, I know. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. China. China. The most underrated place, China. Cool. Where specifically? We spent two weeks in Shanghai and I could have spent two months in Shanghai. Wow. I loved it. The Chinese people were super sweet. We felt beyond safe in the city. It was modern and had delicious food, but was still cheap like Thailand. It was just very underrated. Not enough people are going to China as a tourist destination. Awesome. What about you, Daniel? For me, it was Northern Vietnam. Mm, okay. Because everyone hears about Hanoi and going to the, the really big city up in the north and Vietnam in the northern territories is some of A, the most beautiful landscapes I've ever seen and some of the most remote landscapes I've ever seen. And then you just drive through with a motorcycle through it. Yeah. It is beautiful. I can attest to that. Well, thank you guys so much. Do you have any final words for our listeners who may be on the edge of this lifestyle of, t of taking the dive or, or, um, or maybe who already have yeah. and, and are trying to make it work for them. Yeah. Uh, what I would say to them is guys, courage is not lack of fear. It's being scared crapless and doing it anyway. So just <laughs> love it. Give yourself the benefit of the doubt because you are a lot more capable as an individual and you have a lot more skills than you think you do. Yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for spending your Valentine's Day with us. Um, we really, uh, from both Avi and I, hope our paths cross because we we think we could just totally kick it with you guys. You guys seem amazing. So <laughs> I totally agree. Maybe next yeah. Valentine's Day it'll be an in-person double date. Yeah, right. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys.